The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening and welcome to Tuesday Topics. I'm Paul Edwards. I love that announcement. It almost sounds like a calliope in the background. I keep thinking of circuses. Um, so we have lots Our of Our show guests. can be a circus from time to time, it, Paul. So it that's can. perfectly and appropriate. That, <laughs> and that is my co-host, Brian Charlson. Hello, Brian. Hey there. I'm sitting in my lounger in my man cave with a bottle of hard cider in hand. I'm ready. Ah, I got it. And you will be too inebriated to vote later. One hard cider? Do <laughs> you think that does that to me? Anyway, oh, onward. Yeah. And um, we we have uh, Miss Marianne. Hello, Miss Marianne. Hello, Paul. And We're, all. And all, yeah. And and Mr. Mr. Rick Morin is with us. Rick, how are you, sir? Good, Paul. How are you? Hi, everybody. Hi, guys. And And we have... Uh, of course, our streamer, Mr. Larry Gassman. Hey, Larry. Hey there, Paul. How are you? I I am well, thank you. And now we have now we have our fifth guest. I am very so good. excited. We got a lot of people. Excellent. We do have a lot of people. This room is getting very crowded. So tonight we are talking about voting. Um, and those of you who read uh, my announcement will know that I think we have um, we have lots of things to discuss um, with regard to how things worked with regard to voting last year and what changes that may have provoked, uh, if any, and um, what we're doing this year. So we have invited uh, a bunch of folks uh, from the voting task force to be with us. And in fact, we have five of them here. Um, Connie, are you officially the chair? No, Pat Sheehan is chair and Jeff Tom is co-chair. I'm just the um, outreach and communication person. Got it. Got it. So that that helps me. But Connie Sims is nevertheless here from South Dakota. And both of our chair and co-chair are here. Patrick Sheehan from Patrick? From Maryland. And yes. uh, Connie is the boss, but uh, yeah. I'm the chair. <laughs> no, <laughs> I understand that. And the co-chair from California. Hello, Mr. Jeff. Hello, Paul. Good to see everybody virtually. That is excellent. And from the great the state only of... the way I see. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Just, just to get on the record there. Go ahead. He's, we're, AI is going to change all that. Yes, it is. <laughs> and from the great state of Arizona, we have Mr. McCann. Hey, John. Well, Maybe. Thought he was muted. here. No, he's yeah, here, muted. but muted. Um, and well, maybe he's and in that infamous hot tub. That's it. Could be. Could be. And and from the great state of Illinois, our first vice president of ACB, Mr. Ray Campbell. Hey, Ray. Hey. And y'all hear me? We can. Okay. Good. Loud um, and clear. Uh, my, jo my, my jaws is acting up a little bit, so I wasn't sure if I was on the right window or not. But uh, oh. I am, so that's good. Yeah. Jaws tend to act up when you talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and thank you for acknowledging. Yeah, thank you for acknowledging my, my promotion too. I, I thought it, but I didn't <laughs> say it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. So second vice president, just to be clear, so, there. Yeah. No. 
What? What? I'm keeping. I'm interrupting you all over the place tonight. I hope yeah. you feel comfortable. Yeah, I, I, I do. Good. So, so, Mr. Patrick or Mr. Jeff, um, how do you want to handle talking about how we think we did last year? Well, I think I will start, and then Jeff, I'll punch it over to you. I think that the uh, elections went very well last year. I think the, the technology was smooth. Uh, we didn't have glitches so much on the phones. Uh, I think people got their ballots. Uh, when we had our mock election, we were able to get uh, some really good feedback on support from Vote Now. And so we're going to be running the vote uh, system uh, very similar to what we uh, did last year. But now we'll have the same capabilities. Uh, it'll uh, allow for uh, Android, iOS. Of course, the ballots will be voting ballots. Uh, voting codes will be mailed out. Uh, and that's the way I usually uh, operate vote now. And so I'm not expecting really a lot of surprises technology-wise. We have uh, had some interesting uh, election issues with respect to candidates who wanted to run for the board of directors. And so we've made a few changes in that direction. And Jeff, I don't know if you want to go through a little bit of what that is all about as far as the standing rules are concerned. Well, we did feel that debate dragged a little bit, obviously. I think it was a commonly held view by the members that uh, the convention needed to be shorter, both in terms of days and in terms of hours spent um, on debating resolutions and constitutional amendments. So one of the things we're trying to do is make debate a little more orderly. Uh, so one of the standing rules, we're going to have a five-minute period solely devoted to points of clarification uh, for essentially questions about resolutions and constitutional amendments. And then we're going to go to our 20-minute debate period. And the goal during that 20-minute debate period, um, unless there's an important point of order or something that, that a person really feels has to be said, the goal is to make that a pure, purest debate period as we can so that we don't drag debate on forever, unless, of course, the body feels that a particular issue needs to have more debate, in which case it can opt to do that, as we've always allowed extra periods of debate. So uh, that's one of the things that we've done. We've we've. We've allowed the uh, chair to cease debate when the when one side has had one more speaker than the other, and there's nobody on the side with the fewer speakers seeking recognition, so that we can have debate cut off a little more quickly uh, when it's not really essential that we continue to have it. Um, there's some other minor things. Uh, we have incorporated a rule where when we have a vote, a voice vote, which will be taken by Zoom, because when we're debating resolutions, we're 
going to be virtual. Um, when that vote is taken, if we don't have 25 members on whichever side is the losing side, then the chair will automatically declare that vote final because it takes 25 people on the losing side to get a roll call. So there's no need to call for the roll call if there aren't 25 members voting essentially on the losing side of the issue. So there's a few of the things that we're going to do. So the the, the voice vote would be by raising hands? Yes, because we're yeah. virtual. Yeah. Just wanted just wanted to clarify. Uh, have we have we thought about um and, and this may be a, a Ray Campbell question, though though it's it's also to a degree a debate question. Have we thought of of putting a rule in that that the that the maker of the resolution uh, and perhaps the affiliate that is directly concerned with the resolution be guaranteed an opportunity to speak? Hasn't been specifically discussed, although I, I think that isn't a bad idea because I think our goal would be certainly to have that happen anyway. So it really wouldn't be a bad idea if we were to, whether we put it in this year or put it in next year, I think it's something that should be considered. And I think that was a point, Paul, that was made when we were virtual a few years ago. Yes. That we had resolutions and the maker of those resolutions was not invited to speak. So I, I, my guess is we've learned from that uh, little oversight or mistake. You know right. what? You know what maybe makes the most sense is uh, maybe you know, if we, we've already the board's already looked at these and made a recommendation to the membership to approve them. But um, what might make the most sense is um, in the future to say that the first opportunity to speak will be given to the maker of the resolution and the and or the affiliate that's concerned. Because what yeah. that would do is that would probably clear up a lot of questions and clarifications that people are looking for. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and and that's that's why I had made it as a suggestion because I think it's it's going to actually um, and and they don't have to speak, but if they're given an opportunity to speak, it 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 seems to me that you're covering that you're covering all the bases that way. And of course, the president can do that um, on his or her own. You know, correct. Absolutely. View. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if it, if it doesn't happen this year, I hope you guys will think about making it happen next year. Cause I think it's a, I, 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 I think it, it has some value. I, I know that <clears throat> at, at the time last year and, and, and I'll, I will perfectly admit my, um, my bias here as, as president of BRL, I wanted the opportunity to speak on resolutions that BRL had had sponsored and uh was never given an opportunity to speak i i don't think it was done on purpose but it was just the luck of the draw the way that um the way that it works because we were completely virtual um and it and it's different because i'm sure um that uh, if we were doing resolutions debate um in person as we did on Thursday, um, pe people who 
who abided by the rules and who were pushy generally got to speak if they wanted to. Um, so I think we have to develop some some separate rules um, to deal with that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, do, I've got uh, a question if I can, Paul. Brian. I would love to know what, if anything, in these new rules deal with making a point of parliamentary, uh, well, a parliamentary objection to what's taking place. How does one do that? I get the five-minute uh, asking questions, but if one wants to uh, do a point of order, how does one do that? Jeff, you want to take that one? Uh, I'll, I'll let you, you can, take it if you want to. <laughs> okay. You, thank you, Jeff. Appreciate I can that. tell this was one so, everybody wants. Yeah. So pick me. So pick you've me. got yeah right. So you've got the five minute period in which you can, um, in which you ask for clarification, point of order. The other thing that we ran across was a problem that what happens when the debate period starts, the 20-minute debate period, and how would you recognize a point of order, a point of clarification, a point of order during that time period? And one of the members of our committee, Matt Selm, uh, came up with a thought, and we think it's pretty good. What we said we would do would be to take uh, the people for and against, uh, let's say, a resolution, and we would identify who they are and then we would lower their hands. So if somebody had a point of order during the debate period, we would then be able to recognize that person. And we think that's going to be a pretty fair way to do it. Of course, the clock stops when that happens. And then once the point of order is, um, is answered, uh, the clock would then resume. Um, I, 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 um, I guess... Did I miss something, uh, Paul? No, I guess I, I guess that would work. Uh, but yeah, well, it's you an interesting know, the, way of doing it. We so the, the other we the other thing uh, the other thing we would say, Paul, is of course we're not married to this idea. This is what we're suggesting right now. And as we have gone through and talked to the affiliates uh, here and, and other places, these shows, we come up with more or better answers. So I think. You know anything that can improve the process, we're happy to implement. Well, Jeff? I, I, yeah, I, we just I always, couldn't come up with a, yeah. a better way to do it without, you know, having a real mess on our hands as to who was trying to do what. And couldn't, couldn't we have will, a, an email that would go to either the parliamentarian or someone if there was well, a point of order that wished to be raised? No email. That was our, we would have done it that way. We, we thought about it, but we, we can't disenfranchise any member who may not have email. We also considered of continuing raising your hand like two or three times. Uh, but was it uh, Deb who, who suggest? no, Sheila Young suggested that. Sheila Young. Not gonna, yeah. It was not going to work really well. She said that would be a nightmare for the, uh, and uh, and somebody and somebody tried it last year. Uh, that somebody something. was me. Was I think it was that Brian? Was yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, didn't somebody name themselves Point of Order? They did. <laughs> <laughs> that's a no, fun now that's clever. 
So what we will have to do then, and it isn't stated in the rules, is obviously since we have our hands down after recognition of, you know, the people who want to debate, the if there's no one left, I, I'm sure the chair will have one more call for people wanting to debate on either side. Otherwise, it wouldn't be quite fair. Because, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, one of the things we did run across last year, I think, was that we were so um, deluged with points of order and points of clarification that the 20 minutes went by, and sometimes we didn't get as much debate in as we wanted to. And I think this is a way to try to uh, make sure that we have the debate we need necessary. The other thing I think that's important with points of clarification uh, perhaps is, and Ray, you'll be going through this is the, uh, you know, the resolutions process and making sure that people listen, come to the resolutions committee, understand what's going on, ask the questions there, get educated. And so we're, we're going to try to push that quite a bit. We also want be want to be able to push the fact that, you know, universal voting is out there. It's something we've in, implemented in ACB and we really want to make it easy and encourage people, everybody to take advantage of the universal voting and really just m move it forward and, and just have it be part of the convention. And we're here to learn from our past and try to make it so that it is as easy as possible. Now, if we if we look at the voting profile for last year, I I think that it became clear that there were more people voting virtually than were in person. Is that correct? Yeah. So I'll take this. Yeah, there is. I mean, and we don't know that if that was you know people could have been sitting at their seats and you know, but all business was done more by Zoom virtually. Um, than in attendance mm -hmm. so in any of the business and voting so i mean but we don't know you know if people were there in person and just did it by zoom or virtual or but yeah yeah we, don't, many, we don't get statistics on right. how a person voted in terms of if they voted by you know using the vote technology uh platform we don't have statistics as to where they voted so as long as they voted using their iphone or their laptop or whatever they're all in one group yep mm -hmm. did we um we we made provisions for offering assistance if people needed it um how much demand was there for for assistance Almost none. Almost yeah. none. So are you still going to make that available this year? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and some people just came in and, you know, wanted to make sure that someone was there to help if they needed the help. So um, I don't know, you know, some of the things, but we will definitely have it available. Because remember, although we have seen an upturn in voting, uh, compared to pre-pandemic days, the upturn is still uh, of a small percentage. I don't exactly know. I don't think we have 10% of the members voting as of yet. And we'd certainly like to increase that significantly over the next few years. And so 
any any possible way of bringing up that voting percentage is something we should maintain. Now, so far, we've talked about the the, the secret ballot and the the individual votes. Um, did you guys uh, notice any specific problems with the affiliate votes last year? I remember that it was a little bit of slow going in the beginning, but by the end of the, I think on the 13th, when we finished up last year, we were pretty much rocking and rolling. So I think we, uh, our time got better as we were, we were moving through the affiliate vote. Um, I did not see that much difficulty, you know, moving forward with the affiliate vote. Anybody else? No, it was a little slow, but I I don't think it was unwieldy. I mean, everything was a little slow. So I don't think you can single that out. Did did ACP receive any complaints that you guys know about uh, that suggested that people were disenfranchised by the way that affiliates handled their voting? I didn't hear of any, but no, I, you know, I, I don't either. know. I think I that you know, officially, you know, there's always the issue of uh, semi-unit rule kind of situation. Sure. Uh, and, you know, I have a strong opinion about unit rule. And it's but that's nothing new. But that's no. nothing new, and that's not as a result of this process. Well, at least I don't think so. Depended on how well prepared an affiliate was to accept uh, a means for their members to inform their delegate their intent how well a given affiliate uh, made that happen my affiliate here in massachusetts the bay state council spent a lot of time making sure that was going to work correctly uh, the other affiliate I was associated with is Lua, and they also did a lot of preliminary planning to make sure that all of its members knew who to call, when to call, uh, what to, what kind of information to leave uh, on voicemail or whatever means they were using to collect that information. So it certainly can be done. Uh, I, it'd be interesting to find out how many are working yeah. out that method. Did did ACB do any and any research as to how affiliate votes were were handled? I mean, did you guys was that an issue you guys even looked at? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I um, think a lot of that was anecdotal. But Brian, going back yeah. to what you said, I think that's important. I think for the uh, affiliates that planned, communicated, and educated right. people as to what they were going to do, I think that made a difference. If you've got, um, you know, and, and I I know a lot of uh, affiliates had caucuses where they could go through and and try to figure all this you know who they're voting for for what and this and that and the other and so i think that i did hear a lot of caucuses going on and uh, i think that helped and i think as the week wore on people got an idea of you know what was expected of them mm-hmm. having the delegate and alternate there i think was key because uh sometimes the alternate or delegate had it computer issues and you know, one would uh, take over the, for the other, and that worked out well. So aside from some technology glitches that could happen to anybody, uh, I think technology-wise it worked well. I think that we yeah. want to try to educate people with respect to resolutions, 
things coming out through constitution and bylaws and, and that sort of thing so that when they get to the convention, they're prepared because we don't want the entire convention to be taken up via voting. We want to be able to have it streamlined, universal, yeah. and and predictable so that people know what to do when. And one and one thing that was approached to us specifically to me that um to in let's do out and I haven't I'm working on it and I haven't got it done yet, but do some outreach with Spanish. And I think that might be, you know, how we did Spanish with the DC leadership. Um because there's a lot of affiliates have, you know, just Spanish speaking or primary Spanish speaking. And if we could help increase the voter um, turnout with being able to get the people who understand the Spanish better, I think that would be really important for us also. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was an indication that uh, th- that I heard folks make that there were going to be some changes with regard to candidates and how people could run for the board of directors. Maybe we should talk a little about that. That is not this year, correct? Correct. Correct. This is that going is, to be that officers. That is the next year yeah. thing. I've got right. one more question for this year, and then, then I think that Very we can good. start to talk about the future. And that is, when the chair calls for people who want to speak on a resolution what if anything is being done to give those who are physically present and those who are virtually present equal access to being on that list well we're all going to be virtual so that's not an issue yeah if you're in, gotcha. if you're in chicago brian you're going to be oh, yeah. ahead of the rest of us because <laughs> none of us will be there then <laughs> so so Ray, maybe... about the change in calendar <laughs> so, so Ray, maybe you could talk about when we're going to be doing things that week i, I think brian we're going to start off with you pretty soon first day <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah pretty close yeah. Uh, others might not know that i'm the chair of the nominating committee uh, and so each affiliate gets to send a person to my virtual meeting of the nominating committee. One of the things we're going to work hard on is to find a way to get through it in less than three hours. Which was our record. Oh, sorry, Brian. Last you, year. Are you cooking uh, for us, Brian? Oh yeah, absolutely. Sure. All right. Some, we'll be there. some virtual chocolate chip oatmeal <laughs> cooking. Just gonna say, we need some chocolate chip. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, definitely uh, need that sugar eye there. It is, and maybe some hard cider or something. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the money, Brian, to cover the it's, it's interesting figuring out how to give everything all the opportunity people need and still get through it without as many roll call votes as was required last year. I'm talking 15, something like yeah. that. Roll call votes. a lot. Well, we John, you want to, well, Connie first, could we ask Connie to mention it? And Connie, if you, if you are missing one, I'll try and refresh it if I can think of it. But you want to talk about the dates that we're going to be doing resolutions and constitutional amendments? Yeah. So um, opening ceremony will start on the 19th. So we'll do the standing rules, the credentials. Um, and then Brian's committee is up. And and what time is that going to be, Connie? So 
That's at seven. So everything starts at seven central. And again, as we, as Janet said last year, it's God's time, you know, so Ray will agree with me on that, you know, so, um, so it's seven central, um, and that's on the 19th on Monday. So then at seven 30, um, is what we're hoping the, um, nominating committee gets to meet with Brian and hopefully have those chocolate chip cookie, you know, and some hard cider or something. Um, and then, so the doors will open and that is again the only meeting that is closed and once it's closed it will be closed um so then on tuesday the 20th the 20 wednesday the 21st and 22nd will be discussions other resolutions um the first night also will be on the 19th will be i believe the reading of the constitution and bylaw changes and then on friday we will discuss the constitution on the 23rd. We'll discuss the constitution and bylaws. So when, and that will all be voice votes. Um, and then if they are required to do voting on any of the resolutions or um, constitutions that will be done on the 5th and the 6th. Is that right, Jeff? Yeah, the, the only, about the only, slight modification i make to that is that the uh constitutional amendments are all by record vote right um, the only yeah. voice votes you could have for constitutional amendments are if somebody proposes an amendment to the amendment in which case that can be handled by voice vote uh virtual okay. voice vote but uh, other than that the entire uh resolutions calendar will all be voice votes unless a roll call vote is required is, by 25 is required. people. Right. right. And the officer elections then will begin on? On Monday. So Monday. Um, we have opening session on Saturday, the 1st mm -hmm. um, of July. And then we will have, we don't have any general session on Sunday. And then we'll have um, opening session, I believe it, if I remember right, starts at eight i believe um general central time yeah, yeah. okay um, and that will then we will start with um elections so just just to be clear though connie um on on sunday there there will be sessions in the morning but there'll be right. breakout sessions is that correct that is correct and those yeah. will be hybrid most of them will be hybrid not all of them but majority of them will be hybrid but yeah there will be sessions um but no we decided not to do any general sessions on Sunday this year in case there are um, issues with media or with, you know, any Zoom stuff that we need to work with. So and usually, you know, Saturday night is opening session or first general session. And then usually you turn around and it's the first thing Sunday morning. And that doesn't give Rick and his team much time to or any of us but especially rick and his team if there is issues with anything to get everything situated and fixed so we have to not to have any thing that needs the whole general session stuff um until monday so we will have meetings um i know like advocacy has some meeting breakout sessions and transportation and um the Pedestrian environmental access. Access, 
Yeah. And those will be, and there'll be some other ones, but those will be some of the main ones that will be hybrid. Very good. And then um, so elections as they, as they run, will run as we've had them in the past with starting with the office of president and going down the list. Right. And so, then the voting will, and then voting again will be in the afternoon, probably like from two to six again, except on that all day on Thursday. Now we don't, we don't have quite as many, um, quite as many elections to do this year, I think. Right. We just have the, the five officers. And <coughs> do we have board of publications? Nope. Nope, those are this year. It's the oh, that's right. The point I'm sorry. The point I'm going into Brian's future. Sorry, Brian. That's right. So I feel better now. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's future is an interesting place. <laughs> yeah. And and how many board positions? None. Zero. None. Very Zero. good. Zero. Zero is so we've got five just just, officer just officers this year. Of course, unless somebody moves up. Yeah. And you know Maybe. we don't know what's going to happen. Um, uh, I've heard who's planning to run for everything but treasurer, or who at least people that say they're going to run for everything but treasurer. But David um, terms out, right, Ray? Yes, correct. Okay. So at this at this point, uh, we open nominations for president on Monday. Correct. Correct. And if we go through that. Quickly, do we move right on to first vice on yeah. Monday? Oh, like yeah. we did, and we like continue, we've done the past two years. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm the, but there might be people listening tonight who weren't there yeah. in previous right. years. So I want to make that clear that Monday right. we start doing elections mm -hmm. until there's an election where there are two or more candidates. Mm -hmm. Right. Contested, then, yeah. Right. A contested and, election. And in and, that and so, case, we could conceivably finish elections on Monday. Conceivably, yes. Yeah. 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 Do you know Wouldn't how much nice? time they've set aside for elections uh, on Monday? I think it's pretty similar to last year, um, the way that the program committee has set it up, that they, I think they're going to start elections around 11 15 11 30 central time something like that um kind of similar that was what, similar to what we did last year um we started doing um nominations um uh from the floor um you know for for that i think brian that they're going to want the slate red saturday night um the initial reading so. of that and then I believe that's uh, kind of the plan. Saturday night, I will tell you, is just like chuck full of stuff. So it's going to be uh, very interesting to see uh, how it all works out. But um, you anyways, don't really need much time for elections on Monday because you're only going to have at most one uh, election that will occur. Correct. Yeah. So, and those things don't, you know, take long to do when there's no election. So it won't take that long. No. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. they're not contested, Jeff. That's right. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. You just move right down the, down the, slate. Right down the, and, down the slate. And, yeah. and, mm -hmm. Until it's time to adjourn and anything that doesn't get done by then gets rolled over to Tuesday. Right. Well, there, yeah. And there, but there'll only be one contested election on Monday, no matter when it is. Yes. There'll only be one yeah. of them. Even if it's the fifth election. That's right. Yep. Exactly. Yes. You know, nominations from the floor will be 
uh, as always. Yep. So, so Ray, just before we get, just before we get beyond this stuff, why don't you talk about the, the resolutions process that's going to operate this year? Sure. Um, gonna be, it's going to be fairly similar to last year, but for those maybe who weren't uh, a part of it that might be listening or uh, participating, um, <clears throat> so the resolutions deadline is going to be on April 20th. Um, that's nine days away. So if you're working on resolutions, get them in. Um, now, that the caveat to that is, let's say you're an affiliate that's having a convention after April 20th, and you know that there might be one or two resolutions that you're going to bring forward from your affiliate to ACB for action. Let the resolutions committee know. Um, Gabe Griffiths is the chair of the resolutions committee, and you can uh, email that to advocacy at acb.org. is probably the easiest email address for, for that. Um, and um, so April 20th is the resolutions deadline. What's going to happen after that, then, is the resolutions committee is going to start meeting, and it's going to be, I think, twice a week. Um, and what they're going on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I think, is what the plan is at this point. And um, what they're going to be doing is those meetings will be on the community schedule and announcements will be out on all the, some of the other email lists as well. And what they're going to be doing is talking about what resolutions are going to be covered at each of the meetings. Um, it's really important if you are submitting a resolution or have an interest in a particular resolution that you do your best to attend the meeting where that's going to be discussed. Um, or in the case of your affiliate, make sure somebody is there to, to uh, talk about it so that the, uh, as the committee does its work, that uh, you, know, the, you, know, you, you make sure that you maintain what, what you're, you're after. Once, once the committee has done its work on resolutions and recommended, um, you know, made its recommendations, the uh, <clears throat> we'll we'll then start to publicize those resolutions. And uh, I can tell you, the plan is definitely to do that sooner than we did last year. And um, once we get into the um, convention time in uh, the middle of June why we're going to have um, the resolutions will be the discussions on those will take place on Tuesday evening, Wednesday evening, and Thursday evening, July 20 to 22. Um, and uh, that's going to be um, from 7 to 10 central time. Um, and we've already talked about how the votes are going to be handled for those. Um, so there'll be, but just to reiterate that, um, each resolution will be Read, read, there'll be a recording like we did last year. It'll be discussed. And then a voice vote, which will be a Zoom hand vote, will be taken. And if a resolution, if it passes and there's not 25 seeking a roll call, why the um, resolution would be considered adopted. If, uh, it, uh, if it passes, but 25 people on the losing side say we want a roll call, then that role that, that resolution will be set aside and it will be voted on as part of the overall ballot with constitution and bylaws and things on wednesday afternoon july 5th 
That's during the hybrid portion of the convention. And Thursday, and then the roll call for that would take place on Thursday morning, July 6th. So uh, that kind of in a nutshell is what we're going to be doing. Um, one thing about it, once a resolution goes to that record vote, um, there's, no more, there's no more chance to amend it. Um, you know, you can't amend that resolution, which, um, and if there's an amendment to a resolution that needs a record vote, um, why that, again, once that happens, there's no uh, other chance for amendments to that resolution. So now uh, we didn't have any issues of that last year, uh, but, um, um, so that's, uh, the resolutions committee is going to be cranking it up here pretty quick. So if I could add just one little thing. Sure. And this hasn't been formally uh, put into any kind of rule, but I think what's going to happen, if, let me give an example. If, if Brian submits a resolution on prohibiting cookies in the ACB auction, and you know the committee says, okay, we're going to hear it on May 2nd, and so Gabe reaches out to Brian and says, you know, you know, Brian, we're going to hear this resolution on the 2nd of May. If Brian says, well, I really, you know, I'm throwing a party that day, so I'm going to have to miss it, you'll get a second chance. But if Brian doesn't get back to Gabe or the committee and, you know, he just throws his party anyway and misses it, the committee is going to hear it anyway and just and do with it what it will. Uh, we we don't want a situation where we keep waiting for people who submit resolutions to get to the committee for their hearing. And so in order to move things along, I think the view is that we need to be a little more strict about um, when your resolution is going to be heard. So we understand an excuse if you make it known that you have one, but, uh, you know, you know, don't count on having more than one excused absence, so to speak. And if you don't uh, make either one, why, or like, you know, that you're, you're basically saying that you accept the, what the committee has done um, in, in the work that they've done on your resolution. So definitely it behooves you to be there if you can. I appreciate the fact that we're making Brian the bad boy. I think that's a real good move. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Well, I've just moved. I've just moved a half a dozen cookies from one plate to another. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it wasn't my plate that got the cookies either. <laughs> so, Paul, I have a question. So, yes, I see in the audience we have Maria, and I think it's Maria H. She's co-chair of the Constitution Bylaws. I'm wondering. I see she has her hand up. I was wondering if we should. Oh, see. great idea! Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm fine with that. Can we recognize Ms. Sure Maria thing. H, perhaps? Sure thing. You can unmute, Maria. <laughs> Thank you. Do you, uh, do you want to come over with the big people, Maria? You can come over. She's still Maria. She's still, she's still muted. She is. Maria H and Maria K the, uh, keep us keep us uh, on the straight and narrow. So it's always I good to have that. Maria with us. Yes, of yeah. course. You are able. You can unmute Marie. Well, since we have talked a lot about what went on last year, we might. Would you like me, might, Paul, to bring her over? 
I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you want me to bring her over to the panelist side? If yeah, if she wants to come. I don't hear from her. She's still muted. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Then we'll turn out it'll turn out to be Maria Jones. <laughs> <laughs> So we Let's, don't have John, or do we? You do have John. John's oh, here. Yeah. Good, good. There we are. All right. There he is. Um, it's not working. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I hit enter on you know that, and it's not working. Yeah, so, so she may have called in by phone. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably something like yeah, that. Yeah, she usually does. Okay. Let's see if we, let's see if we have... Um, Let's see if we have any hands raised, Miss Marianne, since we've that kind of the, finished talking about last year. That was the only hand we had raised. Yeah. Anisio did have his hand up. Yes, earlier. he did. I don't know. He did. I don't know if he wants to put it up again. Maybe he got his question answered. All right. Let us um, let let me. Um, so twice a week. Um, twice a week, Ray, for resolutions. And um, if people have resolutions, do they send them to the same email address? Yeah, that would be the best thing. Send them to advocacy at acb.org. Um, it's you know easy to remember. And um, mm -hmm. if you have them, uh, go ahead and do that. Um, we're kind of reaching towards the end of the line where you could get some help writing a resolution if you need that um uh, but um you know that's something that um uh but you know definitely send those in if you have them and um that again, reminds me somebody somebody said they wanted help writing a resolution so i'll have to call her yes she, and uh, if you uh and again if you're uh if you know uh, like you say you're an affiliate uh um uh, and you know that you your your, your conventions after the 20th of april and you but you know that something you know may come forward from your affiliate just let us just let the, the committee know that and um, they'll be able they'll work with you on that the other thing i was going to say too is of course um, if there is an issue that pops up um, after the deadline and we need to do a resolution on it like the becca meyer situation of a couple of yeah. years ago of course we're going to Try to. We're going to work that in, and you know, work through that. Exactly. So that would be an extenuating circumstance. Now, are we saying are are we saying anything to um, to folks um, about the fact that when the resolutions committee is done and we're gonna we're we're gonna be doing the the kind of final read through that that we that that we have an expectation that everybody kind of understands the resolutions by then. Well, it's my understanding that we're going to try to do uh, maybe a couple community calls to give mm -hmm. people at least a chance to hear about the content. I don't think that's been formally planned. I do know that the resolutions co-chair, who just happens to be the president of the organization, is um, very concerned and will play an important role in making sure that the process is uh, managed and so we have the maximum ability for people to learn 
about the resolutions ahead of time and you know she and and gay will do all that they can to make that happen very good i'm going to have to step away for a moment apparently somebody has uh interfered with my bank account so i will be back as soon as i can oh, oh very good darn you caught me <laughs> <laughs> synchrony bank Bye. Bye. So let us then um, spend a little bit of time talking about. Did, so, did you guys make any changes to voting this year? Not nothing really in terms of the actual way in which it is One conducted. Moment. Well, I am trying to. So, very good. Um, but some changes in terms of debate. Any other changes to the standing rules that we need to know about? I can't recall any. <laughs> Maybe I can't remember something, but I think we've covered. Yeah, I think, Jeff, we've covered really the standing rules. There really wasn't that much. What we really saw last year was that there was a lot of confusion with respect to point of clarification not as much i think on point of order but uh, the other thing that that we're talking about also when we have uh some of our initial community calls is to to explain what is a point of clarification and what is covered under point of order so that people understand what that's all about and maybe that debate period of 20 minutes and how that can interrupt the debate period but we did see an awful lot of uh of that last year and, and then also during the elections uh we yeah. also saw a lot of people nominating acb staff members for on the board of you know i guess right, the like major that. change is that we don't have any voting after convention we want to get it all done by the end of the in-person part of the convention that's really the big change yes it is yeah people would that that actually when you asked about uh people and what they really didn't like was the 11 12 and 13. they want when the convention is over on the 6th it's over on the 6th mm -hmm. and we're not going to be carrying over the next week so we're working to see what we do this year see how that works but yeah and and we've also gotten marching orders from from deb and you know that she wants to make sure that voting is streamlined and we're not going just to convention just to vote uh, we want to be able to have good programming and so anything that we can do from people that are listening out there if you've got any thoughts or suggestions that we can do to help streamline the voting we're not locked into the process yet so we're yeah. good yep. since, since we've um discussed the roll call on the 25 member roll call it might be handy for john to actually tell everyone what the plan for his committee is that might occur for next year. Uh, I was uh, about to ask him to do that. Mr. McCann, welcome. Well, welcome. Uh, well, the, um, I can tell you, I'll take the non-controversial uh, amendments first uh, that have been considered and, and that will probably emerge from constitution and bylaws. Uh, first is that with universal enfranchisement now having been realized uh 
the committee feels that it would be appropriate to raise the number of people required uh, to force uh, a standing vote or a counted vote from 25 to 50. Um, I'm hoping that that will pass. Um, again, since we've really uh, doubled uh, the participation, uh, we'd like to raise that number. Uh, 25 made sense in, in the previous environment, but in the hybrid environment, I think 50 makes sense. And we, I think I can say that the committee is prepared to release that proposed bylaw change and to recommend it do pass on it. Uh, the other thing that's I think should be non-controversial is that we're going to propose that the appointment of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee be uh, parallel that of the uh, Resolutions Committee. Right now, the, Const the Constitution says that uh, it's the Constitution of Bylaws. I'm embarrassed to say I can't, I think. Uh, but the provision at issue says that within 60 days, after, by 60 days after the ending of the convention, uh, the president is to appoint a resolutions committee and it specifies the number, et cetera. And the provision for common bylaws says 90 days before the convention, uh, the Constitution Bylaws Committee is to be appointed. As a practical matter, the Constitution and Bylaws Committee has really been in place. I know that Dan called me up. Uh, it was September 14th, and I remember that because I had we were, I was just standing outside the restaurant where we had the post interment uh, dinner, you know, uh, for my mother back on the 21st uh, in, uh, in 2021. Uh, Dan called me up and asked me if I wanted to chair the uh, the committee, and I of course did say yes. So, as a practical matter, we've always had the Constitution and Bylaws Committee in place, uh, pretty much within sixty days of the ending of the convention. But we'd just like to make that uh, a constitutional requirement. I think it's imperative because we basically start looking at stuff even in the fall and our. Our work, our deliberations kind of ratchet up in earnest by January so that uh, we can at least float ideas of what we're thinking about and, and in some cases even draft language by the time of the leadership meetings um, and the national seminar in early March. Now, the one provision which could be somewhat controversial is, and we've spoken about the need to shorten the convention. We would like to propose language, and this would only apply to directors. I want to kill some speculation that it's a nose, a camel's nose under the tent deal. Uh, I think, and let's be clear in a minute, with respect to officers, since they have differing duties, we're not proposing to tamper with the way they are elected by majority vote, and, and you, you know, have can, can have runoffs, et cetera. But with respect to directors, which, if you will, are fungible, uh, they don't have any specific duties assigned to them. You deploy them according to their talents and abilities. We want to go to a single ballot system uh, for both directors and the elected members of the Board of Publications. So you would have a single ballot. Let's just take directors as an example. Vote for no more than five. And um, the top 
five, let's say there were seven or eight candidates, the top five would uh, would be elected on a single ballot. This is fairly easy to do with individual members' votes. You you know get a ballot, say vote for no more than five, and there's eight people, so the people who you don't put check marks next to, et cetera, are the people you're not voting for. That's pretty simple. Where it becomes a bit of a nightmare is figuring how the affiliate vote would work. And we're trying to get the wording uh, correct. Uh, I think it's somewhat amusing, but frustrating that, and I won't make any Stanford Harvard jokes here, but you know, Jeff and I have uh, thrown language out as have other members of the committee and whenever we put something out there, it's like still there's some room for, well, is that what this means? Or It's very, very hard to nail it down. And if we're struggling with it, you can bet the membership would struggle with it. So we, we're not reporting language out now. I mean, certainly by the end of the month, we will. But the idea would essentially be, let's say that an affiliate had 10 votes and there were five positions to be filled. Let's take that pretty, let's take that example. So I don't think there's any debate in the committee that there would be 50 votes in that scenario available to the affiliate. So it, it is a product of the number of votes the affiliate has, affiliate votes that the affiliate has times the number of positions to be filled. And those votes could be allocated in whatever way the affiliate saw fit, except that you could not vote more than 10 votes for any one position. You couldn't aggregate them, uh, you know, 15, 10, 10, and 10 and 5. I, I can't do the math that quickly in my head. Um, so we're just trying to get the wording correct on that. And, and I think we are prepared to advance that so that we spend less time on elections and can do them uh, on a single ballot, I, I dare say the ballot could even have two sections, one for the directors and one for the elected uh, BOP members. Um, and if anyone wants why, to add anything, go ahead. Why, why is there a reason to change the approach um, from from the the individual vote to the affiliate vote? I mean, why not? Why not do the affiliate vote exactly the same way, and you just you just vote for for five people? Essentially, that's what it's. Uh, th that may we well be what it turns out to be. We haven't got the specific wording uh, such that we want to keep it simple, and we want to make sure it is not open to interpretation we want to and, and those two things are sometimes difficult to do being concise and simple and also making sure that the language is is not uh open to being misunderstood or interpreted yeah, Paul, in different ways you've hit so. the crux of it paul the issue is this is not an individual vote so what about right. if some people in the affiliate want to vote for you know the people way down the ballot or, or perceived to be down the ballot in terms of their popularity. So um, let, let's take that example. Maybe maybe <clears throat> the affiliate wants to vote 10 for candidate one, 10 for candidate two, uh, five for candidate three, five for four, five for five, five for six, and 
five for seven. That that yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. They 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 may want to cast vote in the individual case. You couldn't permit that because you're only dealing with one vote. But to in order to reflect the affiliates' will, it 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 might be. I think it would be appropriate to allow them to cast votes for all seven. Um, if they want to divvy up the product of 10 times five to, to give everybody something, it, it, it just to reflect maybe a minority view within the affiliate. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's an, it's an interesting approach. Uh, God knows I wouldn't want to be running that caucus as an affiliate. Well, chair. One of the things that <laughs> you was right, suggested Paul. is if this were first, we have to f- finalize the details as to how, a delegate could vote. You know, it, you could certainly be written that they can only vote for one candidate with each block of votes. You could write it that way, and that way, they, if you wanted, or you could reflect sort of the old style in which they could split up their vote with respect to the, the position that they were. Sure. You know, yeah, and 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 truthfully, that's. Well, that's that's kind the, of been the but, way it's been in the past. This, yeah, that's right. This, yeah. this but, but really. What, hang on for one second. But no. whatever we do, it has been. If this were to pass, it has been suggested that we will uh, likely hold a mock delegate vote next year, so that people could understand yeah. ahead of time how they can allocate their votes how to do it most easily, and so that we will be able to shorten the time that the delegate vote would take at the next convention, if this is to pass. But the goal is to keep the language, whatever we do, the goal is to keep it very simple and straightforward so that people will know exactly how the system will work. Right? Yeah, I was going to say that um, uh, really this, this is the kind of thing that would best work in a situation where we didn't have the affiliate vote. So trying to kind of shoehorn this into our affiliate vote structure is, um, is a challenge. And um, I think that Jeff and John and others have uh, done some good work to try and, uh, and uh, do that. And so um, it's just, we'll just have to see, you know, we, the, whatever we do, I think this is going to be almost as clear as mud. Uh, but I think if we can make it, as, you know, make it straightforward. And you know, I've seen some drafts that you know look more and more straightforward and more and more simple, simplified. I think that will, uh, I think that will help folks. And, and I so, think just to explain the reason yes. for this, some people may wonder why are we heading in this direction. And John basically mentioned it briefly. But right now, it is really hard for those planning the convention uh, to determine how much time we'll need, especially in board of directors years. Because sure. uh, when, when the officers are elected, we don't usually have many elections occurring. Those races are, for the most part, um, not contested. But board of directors races are frequently contested. And you could have, like next year, you might have five elections uh, or or more if you have runoffs. Even. And so even you never last know. year, Jeff. And so remember planning, last year we had the, 
the same kind of thing with, uh, I think it was five position fours and four and five. Well, crazy with all the right. candidates running. Huh? And it's very hard to plan the convention time when you're faced with these possibilities. And that is driving. We're in a new era now, and we have to understand that, you know, some of the ways we used to do things, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong necessarily. What I'm saying is our culture is being driven toward change by our new voting structure, by the way our conventions are, you know, hybrid in nature, by all these things, they cause ripple effects. As, you know, we've been saying for the past few years, and, and everyone needs to understand that these ripples are going to just continue uh, into the future. One of the because things we talked about the other night also, Paul, and I think this was a good suggestion, was having a filing deadline for candidates so that you don't wake up on the morning of, you know, the, the elections and decide, <laughs> I want to be on the board of directors. I, we want to be able to encourage people as much as possible. They know that the uh, they know that these elections are coming up. They know how many positions are going to be open. Uh, they should have a pretty good idea of what the responsibilities are and what the work is going to be involved. And so do the work, declare your candidacy, get to the caucuses and put yourself out there. Right. And so I'm, I'm going to, to take a minute and, and Jeff jump in if you want. Um, but, but I think it's fair to spend just a little bit of time um, trying to go back five or 10 years to talk about the way we used to do it and, and what the expectations of people were with, with regard to, to affiliate votes. Um, because uh, because I, I think that's the only way that people are going to understand the approach that, that uh, John and Constitution and bylaws are trying to take. So, if and and we should say that this applied to an, a single election for a single board position, but there there were sometimes situations where there were as many as five or six people um, who were on the ballot uh, for a single board position, and each of the affiliates uh, who was present in the hall uh, had the choice of dividing their votes among the five candidates for that election so so that people did have the opportunity to determine um exactly um exactly how they wanted to cast their votes i think that um it's important to understand that that meant that particularly in in those affiliates where somebody who was likely not going to win but but who the affiliate wanted to validate or or to recognize or or to um or to do honor to could be given some votes um by by that affiliate um if they if they wanted to so i think it's but it's important to recognize that that was in a single election now we're talking about um essentially in a in a single ballot that covers all the positions um still giving folks an opportunity um, to find some way of numerically recognizing folks further down the list of candidates who might be on the director ballot. 
So, so um, an answer to that well, might they be can do wrong. that in the way I, I described before. In other words, it, let's right. take the you have to do this by showing an example. You, sure. If you got ten affiliate votes, you can vote ten times. You can vote. You can vote. Give five candidates ten votes, or you could, or you could give four candidates ten votes, and then maybe the remaining three, if there were seven on the ballot. Um, yep. Three, three, and four. Three, three, and four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that 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 would be an example of how you could yes could do that. Yep. Um, yep. And that would be the affiliate's choice. But but again, and to speak to the filing deadline, and we haven't had language. This really just came up yesterday, and I'm not running for anything, and I'm not going to pander for for votes for something I'm not running for. But I'm, I I am going to be frank here. I have like next to no regard for some of these hail mary candidacies. Um, I'm all about democracy, but even in our national and, and state local politics, there are filing deadlines. And I think it's a measure of organizational self-respect that we insist, except for provisional candidacies, uh, you know, where, where it is an unforeseen thing happens, uh, that somebody demonstrate enough regard for our organization to have given the matter. Sure. Running for a board, some, some thought and some consideration, not that they um, were palling around with friends the night before an election and maybe every, the alcohol was flowing freely and they just woke up with a hangover and said, hey, I'm going to run for the board. You know? I, think, some, you know. I, I think you have a good point, John, but, but uh, I guess the comment that I would make, and I would encourage both you and Jeff and, and Ray, because you guys have been around for, for a long time as well, but, mm -hmm. but there have been years when we have gone to convention and and we have not had uh, uh enough nominations to fill the board seats that we were mm -hmm. that that we had up for election um, so that and, came up yesterday actually yep. and the the answer to that which was seems very apparent to me is the same answer that you have when that happens today you would know ahead of time if it was a 30-day requirement let's say you you'll know ahead of time how many people have filed because uh, all of those people can run from the floor if they don't get nominated of course all they have to do is file yeah. so you'd have if you don't have enough people and it gets to be you know 20 days before the period is ending you're going to go out and recruit just like we've done in the past to get enough board members mm -hmm. but are, are you gonna are you, you're saying you're gonna go out and recruit before the deadline yes yeah, you would have to recruit before. Uh, before but how, the deadline. how do people how do people know what's what's coming in before the deadline? Well, I'm assuming that they're going to have to be some way that that information we made public, because for one thing, if you're going to be in the candidates forum, you're probably that's going to probably be a requirement to be in the candidates forum that you yeah. file, right? Yeah, but right. that hasn't stopped anybody in the past. But it and would if it's written in. But if you can't run you know then then now if you have no way of running unless you file and meet that deadline then you're going to meet the deadline or not right that's the end of it so you will yeah. know well, who at least is potentially running and i'm going to say one thing that might be controversial you know perhaps let's say um that there are five positions and only four people declare themselves um maybe the best thing to do rather than beat the bushes and bring somebody on board who's only being do it under a certain amount of duress 
or pressure. Maybe you just let the seat go vacant. Um, I'm not going to force anybody to run for the board. I want somebody on the board that is really motivated and has the drive and ambition to uh, and talents and skills to make a contribution. Uh, I would be perfectly fine. We we came close to the situation in 2014. Uh, I think somebody talked George into running again, but we came perilously close to having a situation where there weren't enough candidates. Um, it's it's happened in a lot of years. It's happened in a lot of years, and 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 people have at convention encouraged good people to run. And 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 I, I you know I make the I, I don't think that the people that the people who who end up running for the board at the last minute are necessarily going to be um, going to be. Inferior um, candidates? No, not inferior candidates. And yeah, it, no, no. I, I, I mean, so, I've, I've seen some rock stars coming at the last minute. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it has happened. Sure. So uh, I've seen some bozo candidacies. <laughs> sure, but <laughs> and and that's that's my problem, because if you have if you if you have a deadline, um, and anybody can anybody can put their name up. Um, uh, gosh, I don't know. It's it, it. I don't know how we're gonna. It it's going to be an interesting process if we get to it. So one <laughs> of the one of the yes. other issues that came up also, Paul, was what happens if you have candidate one from Maryland and candidate six from Maryland, and you can only have one director per state. And so we we are trying to work through that also. And of course, the language we have so far just says the higher ranking candidate is declared the winner and the other person necessarily drops off and anybody behind that person is advanced by one increment. So let's right. say you had uh, let's say you had seven candidates running and two and three were from the same state and two gets a higher number than three does. So three gets tossed out and four through seven then become three through six. Yep, that's fair. That's the only way to and, do it. And, and the, the highest ranking. Can, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. No, the highest ranking person in that. Uh, you know, even even though candidate three may have gotten more votes than four, five, six, and seven, their candidacy is precluded. Let's let's not revisit the old chestnut about two directors for once. But you know. <clears throat> And the difference between how you set up the scenario to begin with, Paul, and what we're proposing here is that you would have a candidate, let's say, coming in from the floor and go against candidate number one and lose, go against candidate number two and lose, and go against candidate number three and yeah, yeah. lose or whatever. So in this particular instance, you're, and this is, you know, this is what we are expecting, you have a, a slate and then you have people running from the floor as as proposed candidates we're thinking that that is going to be a more efficient way to do it that the two areas you're right that where it gets complicated one is going to be delegates and alternates they're going to have more responsibility as far as caucus is concerned oh no question not not this you know and of course it is not for officers this year we're looking for next year for board right but then number two we're going to have to send the um, secretary a big, large bouquet of, I don't know, chocolate chip cookies or flowers or something, because that's going to be an additional uh, 
issue for them as to I, I'm glad I served my six years before this happened. <laughs> so let's, I, I guess, you know, what you just described is, is one of the things that, that has certainly caused us to get where we are. A, a really untenable candidate finds, finds herself on the list. Um, and, and this process at least has the potential of, of, putting an awful lot of potentially untenable candidates on the list. How do you mean? I don't follow you. Yeah, well, I, don't I mean, the current process does too. So uh, I don't know that. Uh, does it as much? I don't know. Maybe it does. I mean, it's, yeah, maybe it does. But I, always, I, that person doesn't need to be nominated from the floor if they don't want to. It's just if they want to protect their right to run, they have to put out their name but but if i'm if i am oh i yeah they would have to agree no, I, that my my name's going to be on the ballot before it gets on the ballot yeah, unlike we're, last we're year we're not changing the right. nominations from the floor or the nominating committee structure this way we're just saying if you want to be nominated in the nominating committee or on the floor your name has had to be declared ahead of time mm-hmm. but if you uh, so, so the nominating committee would still come up with a slate of the top five, right. top five, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you wanted to be nominated, and if you still wanted but didn't come up in the top five, you can be nominated from the floor. And Jeff, yeah. I don't know that you can self-nominate yourself. I suppose you could. You, could, oh, you can you now, can. as far as that's yeah. concerned. Right. There's nothing that includes it. You could decide. You know. Uh, you know, to, to to nominate yourself, I could. As I long could as your name of, was on that declared list, I could come out of retirement. I mean, if it's good enough for Tom Brady, you know. Yeah, there you go. You know, and, and part of it is that too is that we, um, you know, not just last year, but other years, we've had people who decide to run, and after they see who all comes out on the candidate list, or if there might be an opening, so having a deadline. You know, it has to do the bio. You know, has to do the candidate page and stuff. So that's that's one of the things that we we want to know the candidate and get the names out there. So, so really, the change is that no one can be nominated from the floor who wasn't on the initial list. That's correct. That that's the essence of this change. Yeah. Paul, well, you have some hands when you're ready. I think we're ready. See, we John. John O'Brien. Got everyone all stirred up. But uh, that's the goal. This has changed, folks. Hey, Miss Donna. <laughs> uh, Hello. <laughs> so I need a little education from my friends who are on right now. I love getting <laughs> educated by you guys. You, yeah. you know, now please forgive my ignorance, okay? Because I'm still learning. Um, but I am going to ask a controversial question. Dun, 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 dun. Good. <laughs> All right. So we have a really nice voting system now. We have Wonderful nice voting system. I didn't. So what I want to know. That? I didn't hear. We, we have, have a very really, nice one. I did not hear it. We have a very nice voting system right now. Oh, Wonderful yeah. voting system where everybody can vote. I want to know why do we still have an affiliate vote when everybody uh, can vote. Da, da, 
Yeah. I can give you several reasons. <laughs> and I'm not Ooh. saying how I, I'm not going to say how I would vote if it were up to me as to whether we should have one. But I can certainly tell you several reasons why we have it. First, because we've always had it. And and that and that's not necessarily saying it's bad. That's just that's been part of our system since ACB began to reflect the people that weren't convention. And you can still argue we still only have what I don't know eight or nine percent of the people voting. So there's that other ninety percent you can argue still aren't you know getting their individual votes cast. Although they certainly have the right to cast them. Uh, secondly, I know, especially with respect to some special interest affiliates, there the the members really get psyched up about casting their delegate votes, and and so they you know, like in my affiliate when I was president of the AVL, we used to get a good half of our members, if not more that would text or email in how they wanted the delegate to vote. And so it's something that, you know, special interest affiliate members can do. Right. Um, Stoke and state affiliate members, but I don't know that it's quite as important in the states as it appears to be, because the special interest affiliate members, most of those are people who are really, you know, uh, you know, linked into the organization and, you know, really want to right. um, have an impact on the election. And so this, you know, it isn't it isn't necessarily why they joined the special interest affiliate, but leaders perceive that it plays a role in keeping them there. Whether it does or not, yep. that's arguable, but that is, so those are two mm. reasons right there. I like the so I'm not saying that it's a, the affiliate thing's a bad thing. Yeah. I'm not saying that. Don't, yeah. I, 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 I'm not. I got you, Miss Donna. I got you. You know, we have this system. Everybody can do it now. And maybe if they knew that was the way it was going to get out, uh, yeah. if there wasn't an affiliate vote, maybe more would do it. Mm-hmm. John McCann. Yeah, well, um, the uh, committee, the Constitution Bylaw Committee, has not elected to tackle that one. First of all, Don, I commend you for asking a very, very appropriate question. Uh, our, that provision of affiliate voting, I think, goes back to something we took. Well, when I say we, I was a six, seven-year-old in 1961, 62. Uh, was taken, I think, directly from the Federation's Constitution. And the whole philosophical predicate or justification for having an affiliate vote was to take account of those who were disenfranchised because they couldn't make it to convention. Once we are reliably, and, and I would consider us to be in this posture at the end of this year, once we have a good track record of universal enfranchisement, I think the philosophical predicate for the affiliate vote goes away. And I, for one, would totally be prepared to see it, to, to see it die. I would. Uh, that may be controversial in certain circles, but I don't think people join special interest affiliates to get the affiliate vote. I think they join out of interest, either, per, either because of their profession I would say RSVA be an example of that. And there was a time when we had human service providers, affinity, you know, arts, think of uh, friends in art, uh, mobility travel guide dog users. You join these affiliates because they speak to a sub interest of yours as a, as a blind person. I don't think they join to be part of a empire building, if you will. But but, uh, but talk about state, 
talk about state affiliates as well, John. I don't think you can just talk about special interest affiliates. Once we have universal enfranchisement, I mean, get get your state members out. Get your state members to cast their individual votes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I don't, flipping I it around, I think the other side might be, and I think you'd agree with me, Paul, that Maryland might have some uh, some real interest in some things that are specific to Maryland that we would that we would be interested in, or take take. I'm from Maryland, but all of a sudden there are some resolutions out there that are BRL uh, specific. And so there are a ton of people that are very interested in that, even though they're from Maryland and they want to have a, they not only want to have a voice, but they want to have a vote. And so it's not an either or with uh, Maryland It's kind of an either and. And so I understand the arguments, but um, right now we're in a position, I think what we want to try to do is encourage as much voting as possible individual votes and then of course if if the um affiliates uh have issues that they we want to vote on that they get extended i don't want to see a uh us versus them situation yeah yeah i think it will i think it'll be interesting i'll i'll recognize you in just a second Jeff. Okay. Uh, i i think i think it'll be interesting to see how this all comes down I, I certainly think that when ACB was formed, the, the one of the reasons that the affiliate vote was as important as it as it was was because there there was a real fear uh, of centralized control of of national dominance, and the affiliates wanted to maintain um, a, a degree of control over what happened in the national office. Um, whether we're whether we're past the point where that's important anymore is is a debate, Mr. Jeff. I was just going to add, Donna. Your your question is incredibly appropriate and not at all uh, a new one. As Patrick and Ray can attest, when we were all appointed uh, by Mitch to the original voting task force of which I was chair back over a decade ago, we were asking that question way back then. So this is yeah. not a new question for the organization. Yeah, I ask it because, you know, you were talking about you want to streamline voting. And I, I feel like that would That'd certainly be a way to do it. Exactly. Thank you, Ms. Donna. Mm-hmm. Thank, right. you Thank you, guys. Yeah, Brian's raising his hand. <laughs> uh, uh, in, in, in a minute, Brian, we'll take one more cool. person from we the audience. Jane, and then Jane Toleno. Ms. Toleno. Hello to all of you. I just am so sorry I was not able to be here sooner. Um, Paul, could you just summarize where the conversation has been? And I suspect you've probably already answered my question. Well, to um, ask your question. So I just really uh, paid attention last year to the virtual and inter inter-virtual meeting and the live meeting and just was very concerned with how people would vote. I want to make sure that I get to vote um, going forward. And so I just wanted to know what is the most current, what are the most current practices for, uh, for voting, for voters and voting? Well, the, the, um, what I'd recommend that you do is try to is is try to listen to either the repeats or the podcast that should be up pretty soon. But 
I will do but it. But in, in, in 30 seconds, yes. um, <laughs> not much has changed between this year and last year. Okay. Um, except that resolution voting will happen or, or before the convention rather okay. than after it. Okay. Um, and, um, and yeah, really, that's the only major change. Is, would you guys agree with that? Yeah, the ballots uh, will be. Well, and I will listen to the podcast. So voting very good. Be mailed out, and uh, will. yeah, we'll have the same access yep. as we had over the last two mm-hmm. years, three years now. Yeah, the the roll the roll call votes will all occur before the end of the in person part of the convention. Right, right. So we won't extend beyond the sixth. Mm. Okay. Um, very good. Um, Marianne? No others. Ah, You're good. clear. Mm-hmm. Brian's raising his hand again. Brian. Pick me, pick me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And Nora just put her hand up when Brian is uh, do, do you have uh, Do you have any, mo- any money left, Brian? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, this is a good thing. An account I attempted to close, failed it to close, and then something that was a renew every year thing went through the card so ah. we dealt with that kicked them in the pants and sent them on their way uh, Good. anyway i have two comments on the whole value or i'll call it value of delegate voting one other thing about delegate voting as a person who attended conventions national conventions in the state of california was it helped balance uh, voting shifts by where we held the convention. You hold Mm -hmm. it in California, the number one number of people going to show up are Californians. Uh, So Mm -hmm. you can equal that out a bit if you're from, say, Florida, with your delegate votes a bit in that scenario. I've always been a member of a small affiliate and felt Hmm. that by having delegate votes right now what do you think the likelihood of acb ever having its convention in massachusetts it it ain't happening ain't happening anytime in my lifetime anyway too expensive too expensive so it isn't going to happen so it served that other purpose notice i said the word served i understand times are changing and so that may no longer be a valid reason but it certainly helped me feel better about going to a state and seeing that California has 25 delegate votes and needs 50 chairs. You know, that kind of scenario. Gotcha. It blunted that a bit. The other thing here is the affiliates that I'm part of look at getting members in by the deadlines as a major reason to get out and get members. And one of the things we include in that as a motivation for the leadership of that affiliate, not so much for the individual member, but for the leadership of the affiliate, is to garner another vote or keep from losing a vote in the delegates. It is a motivator for boards when it says it's time to get out and do your membership drive. So, Brian, (laughs) I used to think your first argument was correct, and maybe it is. But from some of the statistics I've seen, and I haven't, it's not like I've seen, you know, blanket statistics for every year to prove right or wrong. But from the little I've heard, 
the percentages in the delegate vote and the percentages in the individual vote usually mirror themselves very closely. So I'm not sure that it has really had much of an impact in terms of where a convention occurs. I used to think it would, and maybe it does. I mean, your, your argument seems intuitively correct. But I'm not so sure I've had conversations with Jim Olson, who, for those who don't know, was our treasurer in, in all but name, but was our CFO for a while. And he indicated in the years that he was the ballot uh, person who counted the ballots, basically, and kept track of it and double-checked it and mm -hmm. all that kind of thing. He indicated, like you just did, Jeff, that generally speaking, the results of the delegate vote, had they been taken instead of the individual vote or vice versa, seldom would have changed the outcome. They do yeah. mirror one another a lot. Yeah. However, it was only recently, relatively speaking, that we started announcing both sides of that number rather than the aggregate number. There was controversy at the time as to whether or not we should announce the result separate of one another or not. So there's really no stats that have been kept uh, on that question. I do think, quite honestly, uh, that we should give up on the idea of the delegate vote. But I do think also that we, the American Council of the Blind, as are almost all uh, associations struggling for membership and anything that causes anybody to be less engaged in membership development uh, is something to be thought twice about doing. And would you... Would you say, Paul and Brian, that, you know, with this new format that we have with us being extensively virtual throughout the year, that that is helping the special interest affiliates with their programs and membership and being engaged in their activities? Sure. There's, there's no question that especially special interest affiliates are mm -hmm. doing more between conventions yes. rather than trying to do everything at the convention. At convention yeah. No, yeah. no question. And probably however, accomplishing more. Yeah. However, there's an awful lot of membership uh, recruitment that happens at the physical convention. So or there, there used sure to be, there used to be, I'm not going, I'm not sure there will be now. That's what um, and, I'm saying. So, and, and, and I guess I would, in, it. I guess I would encourage, encourage us even to wait a couple of years before we make a lot of these changes because um, I, I don't, I don't really think we have a clear notion of what the impact of the folks who are going to be attending our conventions virtually, as compared to those who are attending in person is likely to be from one single instance, which was last year. Well, that's why we're not, we're not touching the affiliate vote conundrum yep. this year, and, and maybe a, not for another mm -hmm. year or two. Yeah. But that's, that's a by, good the thing. End of the by the end of the decade, I think we're going to have to... Maybe so. We have some hands, gentlemen. We do. Good. Um, we have Nora. Um, Nora. Oh, probably from my home state of Kent. I bet you. <laughs> yeah, hello. 
my my question about converting is: Are we still going to have hybrid voting during the uh, convention? Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. That's it's going to be exactly exactly the same way as we did it last year, Nora. So if you if you did it great last year, you'll do it great this year. Right. Thank you. You're welcome. We have Sheila. Sheila. Hi, everybody. There's a troublemaker. Recognize who she is. <laughs> Why am I always known as the troublemaker? Um, all right, history my, will tell. <laughs> I don't try to be. I just try to ask. It follows you wherever you go. <laughs> whatever, whatever. We love I, you, Sheila. I love you too. <laughs> my question is: Okay, if I belong to a state and several special interest affiliates. That means I get to vote more than once in the affiliate roll call. Yes. But I only get to vote one time as a member. Yes. So That's absolutely true. I think except the definition of vote is not the same, of course. Why? Because you're not voting, you don't get a real vote. You just get to tell somebody how you think they ought to vote. And it gives the special interest affiliates more votes as, yes. as far as the affiliate count is concerned. Assuming that you are a member of a state affiliate, uh, then mm -hmm. you're counted as one twenty-fifth of a vote. Correct. Correct. And the same thing's true if you are joined many affiliates. Right. So you start adding those up and you could have the impact of god if i was a member of 25 affiliates that would mean well I'd a lot broke. of money <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but in addition One to that spend a lot of time on the phone have the impact <laughs> of two votes yes it's, right. it's not really a deal changer from strictly a uh, i guess uh, i guess is that my... more than one man one vote Right. And I guess my point is, if you do away with the affiliate vote, then every member has a vote, period. Done. Certainly. Right. Mm -hmm. that's, so that's, so, that's the, so that what is there? What what is there to encourage people from joining special interest affiliates then? Well, they're interested if, if in they the affiliate. Have, yeah. But if they have but but if they if if they're a member of of an affiliate, Mm -hmm. uh, shouldn't they be able to exercise their ballot as a member of that affiliate? I, I don't really, I don't join Library Users of America to have Unless a vote. you get another vote. I join I, it I agree with you. because I love I the Library Users of America. Right. Gotcha. So I don't need to have a vote because I already, ha I already have a vote. <laughs> Oh, gotcha. Well, I, I think with respect, I really do think that with respect to the special interest affiliates, the motivation for joining is the affinity group, the, the affinity for the agenda. Uh, exactly. And, 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 and it's the not, topic. Not, so, it's the yeah, subject matter. Vote. I, I right. honestly so believe here, that. Here goes Although the problem, I will concede, though. I will concede <laughs> that people do play what I'll always call the Charlie Hodge game. He was always, oh, man, if we can get... We get two more people. We can get another affiliate vote. So it has been a motivator for um, for membership growth in, in certain circumstances. But I think the more legitimate argument for membership growth is, hey, it, let's just say in our state, um, the powers that be are trying to basically eviscerate 
our right to a private uh, ballot and, you know, uh, come election time. Maybe that should be a more legitimate reason to join our affiliate than boosting us from one votes to two in the case of Arizona. Yeah, I just, you know, I mean, I'm I'm sorry, but I join affiliate, uh, special interest affiliates because of their topic. I'm a member of the Braille Revival League, the library users, you know, and it's because of the topic, not because I get to give them a vote. So that's just my personal opinion. Gotcha. So thank Ms. you. Thanks, Sheila. Thank Ms. Marianne. We have um, area code 510. Yes. The sending voice. I think we should give uh, special interest groups a vote, as has been our practice. And my main reason that you guys are discounting is that our endeavor is to have more members. And if there's going to be one thing that might dis affect members of affiliate is to feel like second class citizens within yeah. ACB. That, that, thank you. And that was certainly the reason that special interest affiliates were started in the first place, mostly under the aegis of Derwood McDaniel, who felt like there were lots of people who didn't want to be involved in states, but who could be encouraged to join ACB because of their affinity with special interests. So um, I think I think you're 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 absolutely right, um, and, and especially a struggling affiliate. Yes, if they lost the vote. Let's say next year we decided to repeal delegate votes. In a struggling affiliate, I could see some people saying, "You know, I don't. Why do I want to bother? Yeah, I'm just exactly." Kidding. So Dirk's argument is not without some merit, right? And I think, and I think that applies to state affiliates just as much as it does to special sure. interest ones. Right. Yeah. And and people can say, if I lose my ability to vote, to vote, even if it's one one twenty fifth in in the special interest affiliate, I don't have a voice. And if I don't have yeah. a voice, then what is ACB giving me? And so they that goes vote. back they to what the last caller. Well, yeah, yep. you, you do, but yeah. but the I, you know I join my special interest affiliate because of the topic and if there's something i want to be able to tell someone what my vote is going to be and so it'll it's an interesting argument we as jeff as you said we were talking about this yep. 10 years ago and we didn't have an answer then and we don't have a clear answer now can Got i say it. a controversial thing you can <laughs> flip the coin over sometimes um affiliates work uh, hard at getting members just for that, we have somebody in our chapter who's very, very focused on how many votes. Um, and um, sometimes you get members who aren't necessarily at all interested in really being members. They're just a number. And I, I personally, when I was president of, of our affiliate, our, our um, local chapter, did not push for members um, just based on uh, let's get more members so we can have another vote. I really wanted people to join because they were interested and wanted to be involved. So that's my uh, controversial flip side of well, that. Sure, and and, and uh, you know, I guess one of the one of the issues that the board always looked at when we were looking at at enabling a special interest affiliate is is are there really issues that a special interest affiliate can appropriately bring forward um, that would that would enhance the validity of ACB? 
And that was one of the determining factors that the board used to decide whether they were even going to authorize that special interest affiliate. Um, We also were concerned, again, we don't know by numbers at this point. We probably have the data now, but it hasn't been mined for this. Is right. What percentage of special interest affiliate members are <coughs> not members of state affiliates or vice versa? Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention how much uh, crossover is there in a major way, i.e., uh, like we were talking about from our friend from Florida there, the troublemaker. You know, mm-hmm. joint five special interest affiliates. Is that a common practice, or we only know about that because there's two or three of us who have mentioned it before? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of unknowns, and I think the data we now have in our membership files can help us better work on this issue. Yeah, it 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 certainly can. Any more side, hands, Rosferian? The flip side to Marianne's no, argument. No, you're yes. clear. Go ahead. Sometimes flip if side. you get a member in for the wrong reason. You may keep that member, and they may be a great member in the future. Yep. We had instances where we we had like a membership drive, and people didn't really even know that they were signed up, and you know, and then we ended up clearing our roster to some extent because they didn't really want to be members. They just came to that event and were kind of you know um, coerced almost. So I, I don't know. I can just see uh, you know how people can you know, just gather Sue and Joe from off the street and say, yeah, these people <laughs> want to be members. And, you know, somebody who just has no idea what that all entails. So we are clear of all, no other um, hands. Had a, I have a question here or, or a point. Um, I know we've got like 15 minutes left and yes. uh, maybe Connie, you might want to talk about uh, the outreach that we're doing in the future and then also making an uh, a, a invite or plea or whatever, you know, if people have any questions concerning moving forward because we've got a lot to do between now and June, right? We do. Um, so, yeah, so we're just starting to really do the outreach. Um, so as like Ray said, you know, the re- resolutions deadline is, April 20th. So we're really pushing stuff right now this week. So we have, you know, of course tonight and then Friday night, it will be with visibilities and that will be um, with, for Terry. Um, Jeff gets to speak again and Maria H. And visibilities is just going to be on the Constitution and bylaws. So we were on um, the resolutions and voting task force were on visibilities back on the 11th i was there till sorry, i had to run I'm, to the base i had to run to the basement so yeah the 31st yeah with the tornadoes <laughs> are going through um and then sunday we'll be on with anthony um on sunday edition and um basically it's going to be john will not be available but it will be um pat and jeff and ray and maria Murray Hanson or Murray H as we say um, and myself Um, and then Ray has um, sent out last year he did this we did it and we're doing this again um, thanks to Ray we're doing a Midwest affiliate um, and we'll discuss stuff so Ray has sent out invitations to the Midwest presidents Um, 
And then we have one with another affiliate. So we're just kind of slowly getting things together. So if anyone wants to set up um, some community calls or um, affiliates or just chapters, reach out to me. Um, you know, you can email me, you can call me. Um, and what we're trying to do is I, I keep track of all if it just wants to be constitution or if it just wants to be resolutions or just resolutions and um, constitutions, I, I, excuse me, I set those up also because what we do is we keep track of how many outreaches we do and how many presentations and stuff. So um, I, if people would reach out to me and if they want John and Jeff or Ray or whoever, just, reach out to me and I get a hold of them and I do all the, the scheduling. Give, give us your email address, Connie. It's Connie. It's K O N I dot L dot Sims S I M S at gmail.com. So very good. And then one, you know, and like I said earlier, we're, we're starting, it was brought up to me um, by actually Regina Brink when we talked, I think it was in DC and talked about doing some community outreach, just, you know, all of this and trying to do some Spanish. And as Jeff and I think Pat um, have all talked about, we're trying to do some, hopefully some community calls later on too, with um, explaining what point of contact, point of order and, um, kind of the process of voting so people understand hoping that we'll have you know less questions or less issues and people understand that what's going on um and then i'm actually working my cheat sheets as 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 ray would say it's the novel um the first one of several (laughs) so um i have it pretty much done it's just needs a few last minute stuff from some people and getting approval. So they will be going out. The first one will be going out here shortly. So. Excellent. So so one other thing that we need to uh, encourage people to do with their special interest affiliates and affiliates is start talking about who you want for the nominating committee. I mean, delicate alternate nominating committee. We need those in, but we still don't have a date by which we're going to get that over to uh, Denise, Denise, right? Yeah. Right. So that's one of the things, the duos that we have. Right. So, you know, we have an idea, um, but we don't have a definite day yet. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But that doesn't mean that the affiliates, special interest affiliates, they know it's coming up. And uh, so they're going to have to declare who's going to be alternate delegate and nominating committee. But this year should be fairly easy when we'll see what the constitutional bylaws brings us and uh, we'll see where we go with board members in 24, but 23 mm-hmm. shouldn't be so bad. Shouldn't be. It should, as it should not. Interesting. Yeah. It should not. Do we have any hands, Ms. Marianne? We do not. You're clear. Very good. Pick me, pick so, <laughs> Mr. Brian. Uh, I had one last question dealing with uh, candidates, uh, not just for this coming convention, but subsequent conventions. What do all of you think played a part in 
voting in the past uh, and campaigning in the past with whether or not a person is there actually or virtually as a candidate. I'll tell well, you that if somebody uh, ran for the board at the convention at a li fully live convention who wasn't there, I cannot remember a single person ever being elected under those circumstances. Yeah, me either. No, I'll take a swipe at it. Give um, it a go. I I do think there's still a premium being placed on uh, showing up, uh, and and I, I don't think I have a problem with that. The only thing that I have had a problem with, and I don't want to get into any specific candidacies, but I think there was one person who had a conflict one year and couldn't make the convention. But I think the best information about this individual was that he or she would have been a rock star, would you just, you know, would have been a real good contributor, but had a particular conflict that week, a convention week. Uh, it was pretty serious commitment given we don't want one dimensional people on the board. Anyway, the person didn't, you know, attend convention and the candidacy just absolutely failed. Um, I, I don't want somebody. I'm not going to elect somebody if I feel that they are going to take every opportunity to just phone it in with the board. Um, I don't mind if they take advantage of one opportunity to uh, phone it in as opposed to being there live. That's, I think, the way things are today. But, yeah. uh, but, I, but I still think, um, well, I guess I'll, I'll just say it. Right now, I'm having some health challenges and things that are going on, and I will not be able to make it uh, to the convention. I don't think I'm really have enough stamina right now. The amount of walking, the amount of being on your feet, stuff like that, the back surgery is, is still uh, a work in progress. And, and for that reason, I wouldn't offer myself as a candidate. I, I, I think if I can't show up or if I feel like compromise, that, that it would be best for me not to. Uh, is is COVID a valid excuse anymore? I think that that, yes, I think, that, I think it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. The only difference, Brian, I would say is that with today's Zoom uh, facility, WebEx facility, I mean, not WebEx, webinar facility, we're more attuned to having virtual meetings. And so that does mm -hmm. make it more viable from, and, and certainly, we can get more candidates. We yep. should be able to have a larger electorate, which is what we're trying to encourage this year. You know, one person, one vote, great idea. Let's 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 encourage elections and involvement. And that's really what the election process is all about. Well, I and I look at I look at ACB's mission, you know, representing all people from all blind and visually impaired people from all walks of life. And I think I think that our can't I think that our hybrid model now gives us a chance to not only serve uh, more people in you know with programming and that kind of thing as we've shown with the community but also allows more people who feel that they have leadership skills and and the skills necessary to uh, serve on the board, the opportunity to to run, knowing that um, that they don't have to, you know, uh, 
attend all the meetings. I mean, I'm certainly, you know, I, I kind of agree with John. I'd like to see people make some effort to attend in person and once in a while if they can. But, um, but what's one of the things we heard for so many years and that it was that, um, and we've, we've tried to take steps to alleviate this, but, you know, financial, um, the financial constraints of serving on the board was a problem for folks. And we've tried to alleviate that with stipends and things, but, um, you know, it, if there's a, um, just as an example, a young mom out there who has two small, you know, a couple small children at home. I don't know why she'd want to run for the board. She's got <laughs> enough to do. But at the same time, if she has the the time and the energy to do it, um, by all so, means, I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give her the same consideration I'd give anybody else. It's okay, Ray. I'm not going to tell Rachel. <laughs> the, the, the other the other thing that's interesting also, Brian, that's changed from when you and I served is we've got a lot more transparency. All the board me- all the board meetings now are are open. I mean, you get to hear that coast to coast of what the board is doing on the del- deliberations, which I think is more than fifty cool. percent of the people who vote have never been to a convention, probably. And I would say that year on year, that percentage is likely to rise. So I, I think that fundamentally alters stuff. Another, another factor that I think we need to recognize is there is nothing we are doing during convention anymore that affects candidates. We aren't doing caucuses. No. Um, we aren't doing a candidate's forum. I miss the 2 a.m., 3 a.m. hours of the, num- of the, uh, of, of the um resolutions Resolution. meetings you know yes. all of that yeah yeah exactly pa- paul and i did that together for a lot of years <laughs> we sure did i, I went oh, out at sure 1 a.m and you guys would be out till four uh, in the morning yeah didn't get to party that was yeah i'm not Jeff. sure your 50 percent statistic is is correct you don't I, think I, I have doubt it no i i i'd be surprised if it's more like 35 or 30 I don't oh, know I, either. I don't know. And we don't yeah. keep that. There's no way to know. Stats, 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 stats. We don't we have those keep, stats. I know. I agree. We yeah. don't. Should but we? would you would you concur, Jeff, though, that that the likelihood is as time goes on that the percentage of people who have never actually attended a convention will rise? Absolutely. Totally concur yeah. with that. And no and, and that's no that's really my point. Yeah. That yeah. That that we are we are we are in a, a terra incognita here. We we don't we don't know what this territory is really like. Truly, in in my I, opinion, I think that's we're that's still learning. Extremely yep. true. We are learning, and it and it's a <laughs> moving set of goalposts here too. Yes, yeah. We're never going to really know. We're going to have to do our best guess at things and be willing to change our direction based on what new things we learn. One of the things that made being a candidate different when it was all face-to-face is you had the potential as a candidate to rub elbows with everybody who was going to be casting a vote. Yeah. It's technically true in a virtual world, but does anybody here feel that having only interacted with people virtually uh, gives you the same opportunity to get to know what a person is like, no. not what they say no. they're like, no. not no. what their campaign literature says. 
but what they are truly like. Mm-hmm. No. Brian, yeah. there's a song. There's a song by Brad Paisley online that talks about. Oh, I love it. You know that thing. You know that kind of whole thing. You can yeah. you can make yourself something you're not virtually. Yeah. I've been in GQ. I've been in GQ. I live in Malibu. I, love <laughs> I got six pack abs, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and we mentioned the word community not too long ago here. And that is a, a, a total different dynamic when it comes to running for office. It is. And we are running out of time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for being here. Thank Everybody. you, Paul. This has been exciting. Great great discussion. Good night.